Greetings and welcome to History Factory Plugged In. I'm Jason Dressel and hope everyone is safe out there with all the bad winter weather we've been having these last few days. Today we're going to learn about one of the world's finest healthcare organizations that is celebrating its 100th anniversary this year, Cleveland Clinic. And as you're about to learn, Cleveland Clinic has had an impact that extends well beyond its home in Eastern Ohio and is only becoming more of a global leader for innovative healthcare as it embarks on its next century. So here to share more about Cleveland Clinic's unique origin story, some of its hallmark innovations from the last century, and some of the exciting projects on its horizon for the future is our friend Paul Matson. Paul is Cleveland Clinic's Chief Marketing and Communications Officer and has been with the organization for 15 years. Paul and his team led the efforts to plan the organization's centennial campaign, and we're very proud to have them as a History Factory client. In fact, Cleveland Clinic will be participating at the Anniversary Marketing Summit on April 27th, which is History Factory's annual event that brings together marketers and communicators who are preparing to plan and implement anniversary milestones for their companies and brands so that they can learn from the experiences of great organizations like Cleveland Clinic. The event this year will be virtual, and you can get more information at anniversarymarketingsummit.com. So without further ado, Cleveland Clinic's Mr. Paul Matson. Paul, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Jason, it's a pleasure to be with you. Well, first, uh, happy 100th anniversary uh, to, to Cleveland Clinic. And, uh, and we'll get into this, of course, what, what an eventful uh, last year of your first century it was and, and what, a, what a big start to, to your next century. Maybe if we, if we may, Paul, let's first begin for, for those who may not be um, as familiar uh, with, with Cleveland Clinic and uh, what you're known for uh, really within the global healthcare community, uh, provide for our listeners a little background on, on Cleveland Clinic. Sure, um, Cleveland Clinic is an academic medical center, a multi-specialty healthcare organization, and uh, it, what we would call an integrated delivery system. We have 19 hospitals, over 70,000 caregivers are employed at the Cleveland Clinic, uh, with our main campus and main operations being in Ohio, but we also have five hospitals in Florida, offices in Nevada, Toronto, we have a multi-specialty hospital in Abu Dhabi in partnership with Mubadala and the government of Abu Dhabi. And we're building a hospital in London that will open at the end of our centennial year uh, at the beginning of 2022. And we're probably most known for our heart care. That's really what made Cleveland Clinic famous. Um, we've been ranked number one in hard care by U.S. News and World Report for 26 consecutive years. So, but it, it's it broadened beyond that now. We're one of the top neurological centers, cancer centers in the country, and really known for our philosophy of putting patients first and treating the sickest patients. Great. So, it's, yeah, I wanted to get that out that you're you're obviously uh, critical there to to uh, to the to the region in, in Cleveland, but obviously your, your footprint is, is much bigger. And in addition to, you know, your, your reputation, obviously, is being at the forefront of cardiovascular, you know, what were some of the other big innovations and breakthroughs that Cleveland Clinic was known for in its first 100-year history? Sure. 
Uh, well, it does start with cardiovascular care. You have to start there for Cleveland Clinic and most famously, Mason Soames, who was a cardiologist at the Cleveland Clinic, uh, discovered cardioangiography at the Cleveland Clinic in 1958. And what's unique about that story, it was, it was one of those accidental discoveries. Uh, he accidentally injected dye into the patient's artery and uh, it stopped the patient's heart. So he quickly had to revive him but they um, discovered that it was now possible to see inside the vessels of the heart in ways that were never possible before. So it was one of those just amazing stories of, of discovery. Uh, that was followed in 1967 by probably the most famous procedure at the Cleveland Clinic, a physician named Rene Favolaro, uh, pioneered cardioartery bypass surgery, grafting veins from the leg to the coronary artery to improve blood flow to the heart. And of course, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of these surgeries have been performed around the world, saving lives ever since. And um, so the clinic was, was well known for that. Perhaps most in most recent years, we were known as most mostly for the um, being the center in the United States that did the first full face transplant back in 2008. And we have followed up with uh, additional uh, face transplants that have been quite remarkable and um, really just incredibly innovative in in the in the technology and teamwork that were required. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you mentioned teamwork, Paul, because one of the things that I, I found really fascinating in learning about uh, Cleveland Clinic uh, is is essentially the origin story and and this this group of doctors who were were. World War One veterans um, who, uh, I guess, really enjoyed working together <laughs> under really difficult circumstances, um, and they they really did seem to have a, a, a kind of unique founding vision at the time uh, for the kind of uh, healthcare they wanted to practice and how they wanted to to work together. Um, so I was wondering if you could share a little bit more about kind of that that founding vision and and how that has. Uh, potentially uh, remained relevant or sort of stayed within the DNA of the organization? Yeah, the, um, the, the origin story of the Cleveland Clinic is incredibly powerful and still relevant today. And it's going to be a true centerpiece of the centennial as we move throughout the year. And one of our goals is to use the centennial really to um, revive an active dialogue, the active memory of our history, and then keep that current and, and in front of our caregivers going forward. But George Washington Crile was the founder of the Cleveland Clinic. He and his three partners, uh, several of them started practicing in Cleveland prior to World War I. Um, and several of them were farm boys from rural Ohio uh, and grew up in the poorest uh, circumstances, devoid of technology and the, the modern life that we're so accustomed to. But their partnership was cemented in the battlefields of France. Uh, they went uh, to uh, France together as part of a medical unit from Cleveland, Ohio, and saw all the horrors that that particularly brutal war uh, uh, created. And they learned working together with their, they had different backgrounds and different medical specialties, that they were better practicing together, that they could produce better outcomes for the patients they could share their knowledge uh, and improve the quality of care being given. Uh, and that wasn't the norm in healthcare at that time in the United States. In fact, it was a pretty radical concept. So when they returned from the war, 
um, they decided to set up a group practice of four physicians that became the Cleveland Clinic. And um, it was interesting if you think about the, the, the origin story and how, how uh, the world was at that time. They were friends with the Mayo brothers uh, who ultimately participated in the Cleveland Clinic's opening Founders Day uh, and provided the uh, blueprints for the building that still stands on our campus today. So just really some remarkable richness to the story. I'm just touching on the surface of it, but we'll be bringing that to life all throughout the year ahead. Awesome. And I, I alluded to this uh, before, uh, but obviously uh, for all organizations such as yourselves that that are celebrating a, an anniversary during this time, it's it's a bit different than probably what you expected or anticipated when you started the planning process maybe a couple of years ago uh, in the uh, in the before times. Um, and then in addition to that, of course, you know Cleveland Clinic was the host of one of the presidential debates when uh, when obviously there was a lot of controversy around around you know COVID and, and, and in that kind of political backdrop, which I'm sure that you know Cleveland Clinic is you know not not an organization that's uh, perhaps always wanting to get into the sort of crosshairs of, of, of a political situation. Um, but what was that uh, what was that experience like? You know this this past year as you're you know marching toward your centennial and all of a sudden you have. Um, both the, uh, you know, both the emergence of, of COVID as well as, you know, being the host of a presidential uh, debate and what became, you know, a, a pretty politicized environment around, around the pandemic. It makes me think, you know, this organization and its history has overcome adversity before and dealt with adversity before. The founders um, had to deal with the worst fire in the history of healthcare in 1929, of course, the start of the Great Depression, just eight years after the founding, there was a fire in the, the clinic building here, and it had multiple fatalities. It was a national story, and actually one of our founders died in the fire. It was uh, caused by uh, x-ray film stored in the basement that spontaneously combusted with a poison gas. And the founders uh, easily could have closed the clinic and gone their separate ways, but they didn't. They raised money from the community and their own personal savings. We started the clinic, and in fact, we're doing surgeries again that same week. So fast forward to uh, 2020. Uh, it was just a year ago um, that we were hearing of the first patients around the world and in the United States with covid and um, our uh, response team was monitoring the virus from the beginning in our incident command center and beginning preparations for the uh, inevitable arrival of the virus in Ohio. And we went through some incredible, uh, I mean, I can't even describe accurately the pace of what was occurring as we had to shut down all discretionary cases for about two months within our entire health system, change our visitor policies, educate people on how to use uh, PPE, patient protective equipment, um, and put in place all of the proper disinfecting procedures, put in place new communications for patients and caregivers. Um, our teams were literally working uh, seven days a week around the clock. But it's that resiliency and teamwork that really defines Cleveland Clinic and goes all the way back to our founders 
uh, and is in the DNA of the organization. Things started to calm down a bit. Uh, we, our COVID numbers began to drop in June and July as they did around the country. And we were fortunate that in the first wave of COVID, we didn't get hit as hard as some parts of the country like the, like the Northeast. But then this opportunity to host the presidential debate um, came our way and we accepted the challenge. Again, our team did an incredible job um, basically taking our health education building, which is this beautiful new state-of-the-art building we share with Case Western Reserve University. It hosts four schools, um, Case Western Reserve's Medical School, Cleveland Clinic's Medical School, College of Nursing, College of Dentistry. It had been converted to a surge hospital for in the anticipation of a COVID wave, then decommissioned, and then was converted again for the presidential debate. Um, but the coordination with the city, among ourselves in Case Western Reserve, um, to put in place all the medical screening and, um, and, and all the safety measures to run a successful debate was um, impressive to see, and our team did a remarkable job. Obviously, the event had some controversy, uh, as um, it was notable for one of the candidates choosing not to wear a mask. And, um, but we got through it, I think, with our reputation enhanced because people saw that we followed the science and did the right thing and uh, showed that you could host a successful event during the pandemic and keep people safe. So then we went through the fall and the winter with a major surge after Thanksgiving um, and through the holidays. And we've worked hard to manage that surge, um, to educate the public about staying safe, um, implement testing and now onto the vaccine. And we're fortunate as we sit here today, our numbers are, are falling and we're seeing positive trends. So, um, you know, we're optimistic, but vigilant about what may come down the road. So it's been yeah. quite a year and, you know, uh, we never envisioned that our centennial year would uh, include a pandemic, of course, but I think we're, we never stopped planning. We never stopped being prepared. We always, our team always kept the centennial preparations going despite everything else that was going on. And I'm really proud of the fact that we were able to do everything that COVID required, but still plan for something that's gonna be very important to the organization and uplift everybody as we move through 2021. Yeah, well said, it's in, in, our, in our line of work. And of course this podcast is focused on, you know, the, the history of business and, and business history. And it's impossible to, to sort of have these conversations uh, during this time and not realize that we are living through what will ultimately be one of the biggest historic events for, for all yep. the, these organizations. And over the last year, um, you know, I've talked to so many different organizations that have shared how this experience has essentially, you know, changed how they are going to do a number of things going forward. And I'm curious from your perspective, Paul, if some of the things that obviously got implemented over the last year or ways that the organization adjusted is kind of a new, the new normal, if you will, and do you anticipate, you know, implementing a lot of these changes moving forward? How did the organization yeah. adapt? Yes, I think, I think the, the right way to think about it, I, I was on a, a, a conference call, an event with an executive from Microsoft, and he manages many of their global events. And someone asked him, when will everything return to normal? And he said, well, things will never return to normal 
there'll be, you know, to use the phrase, a new normal. He said, we've learned a lot of positive things about doing work virtually. And virtual events can be much more inclusive. So I, I, you know, we have people all over the world. When I hold my own marketing leadership meetings now, it's so much easier. The team from Florida, Nevada, Toronto, London, Abu Dhabi, they're all on equal footing with the folks who are right here in Ohio. Uh, so we may miss the camaraderie of most of us being in a room together, but we'll have to remember going forward that being virtually in the meeting when you're in a different part of the world puts you on equal footing uh, with everybody else. You're, you're seeing and engaging in the same way. You have, the, you have a voice just like everybody else in the meeting. So we're already talking about how do we preserve that going forward. We'll move to a hybrid work environment in the future. So we'll, we'll never require everyone to come back full time. We've, we've given our people the tools to do virtual work that we didn't have before. And it was amazing how quickly we put virtual tools in everybody's hands so they could all stay productive and, and be in meetings. And, and um, so those things I don't think will, will ever change. I mean, we all value personal interaction and we want to return to some of that, but we also want to give people a lot more flexibility in the future. And for some of us who've been working a bit longer than others, um, you know, this in this uh, this environment, this pandemic has proven to us that a more flexible flexible virtual environment has a lot of benefits. Yeah, and it's an interesting sort of um, irony, right, with the work that Cleveland Clinic is doing. You know, the work that your caregivers are doing with patients is also becoming, in some respects and in some scenarios, of course, more virtual and being able to leverage technologies and and telemedicine. So it's kind of an interesting parallel that That's, the organization yeah. itself is making that transition while, you know, that ability to, to reach uh, patients um, less, uh, more efficiently, or and sometimes, you know, more safely uh, is also occurring, which sort of triggers one of the questions I wanted to ask you, which was, you know, you mentioned, obviously, the opening of, of the London facility later this year, but what as you look at sort of the future of the clinic and, and some of the major changes or, or major initiatives uh, for the organization over the next uh, next few years, what do you see on the horizon? So we still have an ambitious uh, strategy for the future to expand our mission by doubling the number of patients we serve in the next five years. So several uh, key things going forward. Uh, as I mentioned, we, we uh, had to slow, but we never stopped the construction in London. We're building both um, an outpatient facility and a brand new multi-specialty private hospital in London. And it's truly going to be a, a state-of-the-art facility in that market. We're extremely excited about that. And kudos to the team that under very difficult circumstances in the UK for COVID, they've kept that project moving forward. Uh, and we're excited we can culminate it in the centennial year. It'll really be hopefully the uh, the capstone of our centennial year, that and concluding our uh, $2 billion uh, fundraising campaign, the, the, the power of everyone, now the centennial campaign. So that's exciting. We're building a new cancer center in Abu Dhabi. That work continues. Uh, again, it'll be a state-of-the-art uh, facility. Um, we, um, we just acquired a new hospital in Ohio, in Canton, Ohio. So we're in the process of integrating that as well. And we have several uh, new uh, growth projects that um, I expect will come forward, be announced in 2021. And you mentioned 
digital health and digital health accelerated tremendously during the pandemic year of 2020. Uh, we've seen record levels of virtual visits, um, virtual consults, and both patients and physicians uh, have learned how to use that technology and accept and, and embrace that technology. And I think many have found it um, to be a great way to receive care and provide care without actually having to come to one of our facilities. So uh, again, one of the silver linings in a very difficult year. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 you mentioned the uh, obviously the opening of London and and the integrating sort of the centennial messaging into your capital uh, fundraising. Uh, but how else, from a marketing perspective, have you and your team approached uh, the centennial um, in terms of you know how how you've leveraged the milestone and, and how that's resonated with your your audiences? Yes, so Jason, you know, we've been working uh, diligently on Centennial for three years. We started planning very, very early. And I think for us, we understood the magnitude of this event for the organization, and we wanted to plan properly and, um, and do it in a way that uh, would really celebrate appropriately the heritage of the organization. And it's been a daunting task, as you know, you, most of us don't do anniversaries uh, on a regular basis. It's something that comes along rarely in one's career. So we brought in partners to help us uh, and you all have been incredibly uh, helpful to us in the journey. Uh, we, we built a strategy around what we call our legacy projects uh, and they're all coming to fruition quite positively. Um, we, we came up with a brand uh, slogan for the centennial year, which we love the future of healthcare since 1921. That's people really embrace that line because it speaks to our culture and the spirit of innovation that goes back to the founders. Uh, but we have um, a docu-series that we're going to debut on our Founders Day that we've done in partnership with Courageous Studios of CNN. Uh, it looks fantastic, uh, tells some wonderful stories, and we completely refreshed the history video for Cleveland Clinic working with uh, Courageous Studios. Uh, we're, we've rewritten our history book to act as a unit uh, of Cleveland Clinic. It's been revised many times over the years, but this is a complete rewrite to make it read like more of a story, and it'll be an audible book as well. We're doing a visual uh, book as a commemorative of the centennial as well. Uh, the Founders Day event itself, um, which will be a worldwide celebration premiering the docuseries, We've built a digital history timeline for the Cleveland Clinic, which will be a legacy item that will keep our history alive digitally going forward. And then we're going to build one other legacy items. It's um, um, basically going to be um, an interactive wall in our main lobby, or an interactive exhibit in our main lobby of the Cleveland Clinic, done in partnership with our alumni. That I think is going to be, it's just such a cool concept and interactive technology. Again, you all have been a part of it. And, um, and then with that, I, I don't want to forget, we'll be celebrating virtually and in other ways with our community and with our caregivers throughout the year. We're providing local tools to all of our locations because it's not just about celebrating the founding here at our main campus, but across our entire system. Great. And and what advice might you offer to uh, to anyone who's going through an anniversary in the next few years? As you mentioned, it's uh, 
it, it is a, a, a milestone that only comes along by its nature every 20 or 25 years. So uh, anything that you've learned over the last few years that you would, you would share as a lesson learned? Yeah, I talked to my team about this. I think start early. Yes. Because it, it can be a daunting task and it's, it's important to have a plan. And I'd share with people who are listening to this that not only did we put a strong plan together, but we took it to the executive team and we secured funding. And that sounds so mundane, but you have to have that to do the kind of legacy projects that I'm talking about that really will make an impact on the organization. We needed incremental funding that, and, and the leadership team fully supported that. Uh, and our CEO has been our biggest supporter. He really understands the importance of the history and celebrating this and what it can mean in the coming year. So, so starting early in planning, uh, finding the right partners to work with, and we work with many of our partners that play different roles in the process, but we couldn't do it all ourselves because we're still doing all of our regular work throughout the process. So really leveraging, finding that expertise, and then opening up and doing the brainstorming necessary to find truly creative ideas. And then lastly, I think, you know, you have to stay vigilant. I talked about the fact that I can't understate how proud I am of the team that we could go through the worst global pandemic in history and arrive at our centennial Founders Day with everything on track. That is quite an accomplishment. Yeah, well said. Well, congratulations, uh, Paul. Congratulations to you and the team, and, and happy, uh, happy one hundred, uh, happy one hundred. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great organization, and it's uh, it has an incredible history uh, to, to work with, and uh, and uh, you all are continuing to make history every day. So thanks for thanks for sharing some time with us today. Well, thanks, thanks. We really we appreciate your partnership and uh, everything you all have contributed to to the process, and we're excited for the year ahead. And as I said. Uh, earlier 17 days to go based on the countdown clock on my desk there you go awesome well thanks paul thanks jason all right that's our episode thanks again to paul matson and happy 100 to cleveland clinic stay safe out there and thanks again for listening i'm jason dressel